We are in our final Sunday morning week of the series, Strange Way to Save the World Based on the Song, that asks the four questions. And our final question is, is why her? Why Mary? The question in the song says, why her? She's just an ordinary girl. That's a very good question. Why would God choose a girl to carry Jesus? Can you think of any 14 or 15 year old girl you would trust to raise any baby really? Much less God. 14 years old, 15 years old, and God has entrusted this girl with this great responsibility. What is it about Mary that made God choose her? Now the family line is part of it, of course, and part of it is just the sovereignty of God, but I would suggest there are characteristics that Mary has that, that anyone who God is going to use we would see. And so this morning we see those characteristics in our text there in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. And there it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee named, called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Rejoice, favored woman, the Lord is with you. So she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary asked the angel, How can this be? Since I have not been intimate with the man. And the angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's slave, said Mary. May it be done according to your word. Then the angel left her. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we thank you for... The accounts we find in your word. Father, we thank you for the Christmas story. We thank you for all of that truth that we ask right now that you be with us this morning as we look at it again. Father, use me as a vessel for the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We ask all these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. We've heard this, this passage over and over again throughout our lives. We we, we know this story. As we look at it, there are things about Mary that, that really just stand out that, that we can know. And the first is that Mary was a pure and faithful follower of God. We know she was pure. We know she was faithful. Why? Well, because she was a virgin. She respected herself and her future husband. She did the things she was supposed to do. She sought to follow the big things of the law of, in faith. She stepped out to do those things. And she found favor with God. That's what, that's what Gabriel said. He shows up and he says, what? You have found favor with God. I don't think God is in the uh, business of showing favor on those living immoral lives. That's not something that, that God typically does. You know, we, we know she was a sinner to be sure because we're all sinners. But she was like everyone else. But she had this faithfulness in her walk with God. If God is going to use you, he's going to look for you to be faithful. No, and we see this a lot. There are people. One of my biggest pet peeves in my human sinfulness, I suppose, is on Facebook. Go figure. Um, 
when people that I know who are not living lives that God would smile on continually talk about how God is blessing them. Maybe he is. Maybe someone else is. I don't know that God shows his favor all the time as he does for Mary on someone who isn't living the life that he's called them to live. Because we have to be aware in our lives and in the lives of others that sometimes blessings don't come from God. There is another power at work in this world. And he likes to leave breadcrumbs and make us think things are good. Sometimes we have to know that, that Satan may be tempting us in a way that we don't want to hear. You know, we don't want to hear what God's saying because, man, this sounds good over here. We've all seen the cartoons, and I kind of feel like it's that way sometimes. you got the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. And the angel's going, but you know you shouldn't do that. And the devil's going, but it's not going to hurt Just a little bit. Come on, I'll give you all this. Some of the greatest pieces of literature have been about the devil giving blessings in, in return for something else, right? The crossroads, where someone will go and sell their soul to the devil in order to be a musical prodigy, in order to have wealth. We find stories like that throughout literature, throughout movies, throughout television, wherever. You find these stories of people who find their blessings there. But when God begins to look for someone to work through, He's going to look for someone who's faithful. Because He wants to put to, to, to this responsibility on someone who has lived their life faithful. God's not going to give huge responsibility to someone who's never been faithful in anything. If there's someone who, who's, you know, well, they showed up one time, that isn't the one time, no. Mary was one who was living her life in a way that was pure, that was faithful, that was following the things that God had put into play. But Mary also had a believing faith. Now, you may be going, Brother Trey, that's redundant. Faith is believing. Every faith is a believing faith, Brother Troy. But I wouldn't be so fast. What did the angels say here? The angels said, you'll have a baby. And Mary didn't say, no. I mean, most 14-year-old, 15-year-old girls who haven't done anything are not going to go, okay. They're going to go, uh-uh, not me. She didn't say that, though. What she said was, well, how is this going to happen? Well, well, how? How will this road be made? You know, she had heard other religious mythologies. She would heard these things. She lived in the middle of Roman rule. And so, so far, we've had the Greek mythology come up in the Roman mythology, they're all around, not to mention all the ones of the Old Testament, the, the Baals, the, the people that, that they follow, the Asherahs, all of those things. She knew these mythologies. She had heard these things. And so when this angel comes and says, you're going to have a baby, she didn't say, no way. She said, how? She, she had a believing faith. She believed. Too often we stifle our faith by our fears and our limited vision. Mary didn't give any indication of doubtfulness. She didn't say, well, I don't really believe you. She said, how? That's in the, no, how? But often we can do the same thing. God comes to us and we go, well, God, I don't know that's going to work. God, I don't see a way. How many church ministries have been stopped before they started because someone said, well, I don't see a way. We don't have the money. We don't have the people. We did it that way once, and it didn't work. We, we often find ourselves hearing from God and then stifling what God's going to do in our life because we have a limited vision, and our fear gets in the way. The mountain's too big. There's no way to get past it. What are we going to do?
going to do? How often do we find ourselves when God says, do this, and we go, what? When Carrie and I left Chillicothe, we had no idea where we were going. At all. Literally, in two weeks' time, we sold everything we owned. We well, okay. Almost everything we owned. We kept family furniture, bed and the chest of drawers, and we kept a couple of mementos, but everything else we sold, except for what we could fit in our car. And our car was a Nissan Alpha. And we got in the car. And we began to drive, and that first night we stopped at a fifth study sing in Quanta. And the, de the chairman of the deacons at, at Quanta was like, well, where are you going to go? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I don't know. God said, go. What? You can't do that. I can. And I will. It's scary, but I'm going to do it. I don't know how, how it's going to work. We didn't know where we were going to end up. We didn't have kids at that point. That made it a whole lot easier. We'd be sleeping in the Nissan Altima. Well, I did several times. We could sleep there. We could do that. But there were people around us who kept saying, you can't do that. Where are you going to stay? Where are you going to go? What happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? And, and the devil worked. The devil worked bad. Because we drove that first night to Amarillo and stayed. And the next morning I got some phone calls from some people that really weren't good phone calls. And so began to weigh on my mind, am I doing the right thing? And then we began to drive. And we were like, okay, we're going to go to this camping spot that was north of Santa Fe, between Santa Fe and the highway, the interstate. And we turned off this road. This road. And for the first time in my life, I had my windshield cracked by a car coming at me. Rather than going behind me. I was like, okay. And then we pulled into this campground and it looked a bit out of a horror movie. I mean, it was bad. And Carrie said, I'm not staying here. What do we do, God? Where do we go? So we kept driving. Satan begins to work on you. Satan shows you your fears. He shows you all the things that can go wrong and he wants you not to do what he wants to do. But that was the greatest month of our lives. Because we chose to follow, God blessed us. You know, the next morning we got up after a very bad Motel 6 that Carrie had picked. <laughs> she, she did. I said, you pick which one? And she picked it. And there were two Motel 6s, one on this side of the highway and one on this side of the highway. It's like Beverly Hills in the ghetto. We stayed in the ghetto with everything we owned in our car. I prayed on that long. Jesus, please let my stuff be there when I come out. And then we stopped that day for lunch. A simple lunch, peanut butter sandwiches and chips at a roadside park. And the view was incredible. We had to believe in what God was telling us to do to have the experiences. Every experience from there built on the next one and God began to work in our lives and brought a healing in our lives that we desperately need. All because we chose to step out. We have to have a believing faith like Mary. 
Now, Mary didn't just have a belief in faith. She had an accepting faith. Now, what's an accepting faith? One that says, okay. Because Mary says, let it be unto me as you have said. That's a powerful statement for a 14-year-old girl to make. Right? Let it be unto me as you have said. Mary was accepting everything that God was saying to her, that the angel was telling her. She was accepting the responsibility to raise the child of God. She was accepting the shame that people were going to talk about her in town. She was accepting the looks and the talk and everything else that was going to happen. She accepted it. She said, let it be to me as you have said. Let me go through this. She accepted the direction that God wanted her to go. How often do we do that? How often do we just say, okay, God, I'll do it? It's hard sometimes because we get up and God says he wants us to do something and we go, God, you know how busy I am right now? I got so much going on. I can't add something else to my plate. And so I, I, I can't do that, God. And when God begins to speak and wants us to go, he wants us to jump up and do the things that he wants us to do. We have to accept God's way of doing it. We have to say, okay, God, I'll do it. Do we act that way? I know I haven't always done that. I remember being in college. Man, I started the ministry at 16, and my dad said, why did you want to do that? That makes no sense. We fought about that for years until he had his wreck. And I'm in college, and I keep thinking, well, you know, I could be a doctor and use that in ministry. And so I would change my major. And get those classes in, God would say, I didn't say doctor. Okay. I changed your life. You know, I could be a lawyer and use that ministry. And God would say, oh, I didn't say lawyer. It took me eight years to do a four-year degree. Because I fought God all the way. Because I didn't want to accept what God had, because I didn't want to believe in that. I wanted to find a way to make God's plan. My plan. She accepted on faith that God's plan was greater than her fears and vision. She accepted it. She said, okay, let it, let it be. I don't know how it's going to work. I, I don't know what all is going to happen. I don't know how this is going to all come about, but I'm willing for this to happen. And so let it be for me as you have said. But Mary also had a confirming faith. Now she believed and she accepted, but she also confirmed. The angel said to her, hey, your relative is Elizabeth. She's got a baby coming. She's six months pregnant in her old age. And it says right after this that Mary took off and went with haste in the King James. She went with haste to see Elizabeth. Now why would she do this? Why in the world? Have you ever asked why? Well, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have Facebook. You know, Elizabeth wasn't on Facebook going, got a baby coming, it's good. Woo! No. The only way to know was to go see Elizabeth. She jumped up. Elizabeth was a sign to Mary of what God had promised. That was a sign to her. God had given her a sign. He said, do you want confirmation? Here's confirmation. Even Elizabeth is pregnant in her old age. She's six months along. She ain't just pregnant. She's almost there. There's your sign. She had a confirming faith. When God begins to work in our life, it's apparent. God doesn't ever call us to have blind faith. Now, if somebody tells you that, they're lying. God doesn't call us to 
blind faith. He always backs up the things he calls us to with things that will show us that we're on the right path. He doesn't call us to have a stupid faith. He doesn't call us to say, well, you know what? None of this looks like it's actually going to work out, but I'm going to step up. Jesus was continually giving signs. Jesus was continually showing people, this is the road. This is the confirmation. This is how you're going to see it. He does it here with Mary. He did it with the shepherds. When he said the shepherds, he said, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. He did it for Mary, it was, it was Elizabeth. For Zechariah, it was meanness, right? Zechariah couldn't talk. Elizabeth was praising God for nine months. Her husband couldn't speak. All right, he can't complain at all. And so there she is, and Zechariah said, For nine months. And then all of a sudden, his mouth is open to show him this is what God has said. God always gives us these signs. He wants us to have a believing and accepting faith, but he doesn't want us to have that stupid faith. We have to watch for confirmation for the signs that God gives. They're always there. If God doesn't want us doing something, he'll show us that too. You know, there are always those things where God says, he gave us intellect for a reason. He did. He didn't want us to be just okay. No, he didn't. I'm going to date myself. He didn't want us to be baby Huey Christians. Anybody know, everybody know baby Huey? The big duck on those cartoons. He goes, He didn't want us to be that kind of believer. He wanted us to know who he was. You know, in my life, I was a youth minister at a Hispanic church in Fort Worth for a year and a half. The services were in Spanish. This wasn't like it was an English-speaking service. It was a Spanish service. I had taken Spanish in school, so I could kind of understand, and when the pastor used notes on the screen, I could read the notes. But Carrie? Nothing. She sat there for a year and a half. But I remember when we got called, because we went, my mom had been diagnosed with cancer. And we had just moved to Abilene for seminary, and we were like, okay, we will move home to take care of mom. And we did. And when we got there, the doctor said it's not cancer. Thank you, Jesus, but now I'm stuck in parent. Um, and nowhere to go. We had lost our lease in Abilene. We didn't have money to get back into one. And so I was like, i got to find a job. So I opened up the Star Telegram. says, wanted individual to work with Hispanic youth. Okay. I called the number. And the guy answered. It had a thick accent and I hung up. He called me back. <laughs> and I said... Uh, oh, oh, yeah, okay. Um, and I came in for an interview. And I saw all the resumes in that room. And mine was the least qualified. I mean, it was. There were like four doctorates on, the, on, that res on those resumes and everything else. And, and all of them had Hispanic names. All of them. Well, their youth all went to, to regular school, and so they wanted somebody who spoke English, and that was fine. Come to find out, they called me because the youth all said we want the big white guy. That's why they called me. That was it. That was the reasoning. 
And God began to confirm a few little things like that. And we were like, eh, you know, um, and it was, it was a part-time job. $600 a month. Which just paid for our all-bills-paid rent on the ghetto part of Fort Worth. But, we moved into the apartment. We had no furniture. They said, anything you need? And we said, well, we don't have any living room furniture. That night, they brought us living room furniture. And I kept saying, okay, God, is this, is this right? But then I had a, a parent who worked at Ranch Style Beans, the factory. Brought me three cases of beans a month. <laughs> Fringe benefit. And they fed us all the time. I mean, fed us. Tamales, enchiladas. I even had tres leches once. That was. But some of the greatest blessings came as God confirmed those. We, we didn't know we were going to fit. I mean, how were we going to fit? It didn't make any sense. I, I, I remember walking into that, that, in that room and those kids all looking at me thinking, how am I going to do this? And that first Sunday when they had the meal to welcome us and they had that cake. It looked good. Woo. I was sitting there talking to somebody, you know, trying to do the buttering up thing because I, uh, I got to figure out what's going on. I said, give me a piece of that cake, Carrie, and I brought it over and the youth are all watching me. They're watching. They're looking and I'm going, what's going on? And I took the bite and I went, It's not done. And the youth started laughing, and I said, What? They said, That's what we call that soggy cake. We don't eat it. <laughs> and the relationship lost. And God continued to do things that would confirm we were supposed to be there. Continued to do things. And up until we left, and we were called back to take part in the the quinceañera of one of the girls. Baptist quinceañeras aren't the same. I'll, I'll tell you that much. But they wanted me to sing the song Heaven. I know the song Heaven by Los Lobos. Yeah. How far is heaven? You know, it's a, and uh, there's a Spanish part in that song. And uh, I messed up the English part so bad all the way through. But I got to the Spanish part. They went, oh, and they all jumped up and clapped, and it was never. God gives us ways to confirm where we're supposed to be, that we're on the right path, that we're going where we need to go. And so there we were, confirmations. There we just have to look for it. But also, Mary had a praising thing. Now this one to be so important. She had to praise him. Immediately upon confirmation, she praised God. She began singing to God. She began to praise Him for His faithfulness and His love. He began, she began to say, oh, thank you God for doing this. Thank you God for choosing me. Thank you God for doing all these things to your nation through me. And she praised God for giving her hardship. Think about that. 
She was praising God for Israel and for the salvation of Israel, but through that she was going to have hardship, right? She had to have a baby. She had to raise a baby. She had to let go of a baby and watch her baby die. Did she know? Did she know? Because when the angels came and all these things happened, Mary pondered these things in her heart. I think she had an inkling. She knew something had to happen. And she knew it wasn't going to be safe. She praised God anyway. She knew that God was asking her to do something that was never going to be easy, but she praised God anyway. What's your response this morning? When God calls you into hard times, when God calls you to do hard things, when God calls you out of your comfort zone, what is your response to that? I would go so far as to say that if you are comfortable in your walk of faith, you might not be walking by faith. That's hard. We like our comfort. I was talking about a while ago about how when I sit in my chair, so now the TV just automatically comes on. I should have slept in it last night, but my TV would be on, so I couldn't do it. I watched TV instead. So we like our comfort. We like things to be exactly how we want them to be, and if they're not exactly how we want them to be, we feel attacked. We feel overwhelmed, and we feel like we don't want to do this. But sometimes God calls us into something we've never thought of doing before. Sometimes He says, you know what, I want you to go and do this. I want you to do something that you never would have imagined doing. How do you respond when God calls you to an impossible task? <laughs> Maybe He's calling you to teach first through third grade Sunday school. <laughs> Just as an example. And you're going, but I'm not comfortable with that. Maybe he's calling you to. Maybe he's saying, you know what? I know you're not comfortable, but I just need you to step out and say yes. Maybe that's it. Maybe he's calling you to go somewhere else. You know, there's an old song, what is it? God, I'll do anything, but just don't let me go to Africa. <laughs> Maybe he's calling you to go to Africa. I don't know how many times in my life my wife said to me, that's never going to happen until God worked on her. I mean, driving through Rankin that day and she saw the church and she saw what she thought was the parsonage. And she said, nah, that's never going to happen. Just erase that email. That's what I did. Until God began working on her. Until God opened the door. Maybe this morning you want to work on your faith. <coughs> One of my favorite stories in the scripture is of the father who says, I do believe, help my unbelief. How many of us are there? It's been a tough year. I do believe, help my unbelief. Maybe this morning 
you want to serve the missions or ministry, maybe you want to join this church in membership, maybe you want to pray, the altar is open, I'll pray with you. But maybe this morning you've never known the one who came as a baby. Maybe you've never known the one who came and lived that life to become the Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb on the cross. Now would be a great time to know him. Now would be a great time for the Savior of the world to be born in your heart as we celebrate his birth into the world. But wherever you're at this morning, whatever you need, give it to him. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings.